everyone. Welcome back to the Where If You Take You podcast. We are Aaron and Kayla, and we are very excited to be here today because we are going to chat all about Oceanside 70.3, which was past weekend. We both of us raced it, and we both are very excited to kind of chat and just share the journey and the day and how everything went and from our sides of things. So it'll be should be a really fun podcast. Um, before we dive into it, um, just a reminder, if you do have questions for us, please send them to www.wherefeettakeyou.com slash podcast. That is the best way to get some questions to us. And uh, that way we can, in the upcoming podcasts, um, answer them to make sure that we get to you guys the topics and the conversation that you want to hear from us. So awesome. Well, all right. Let's just, yeah, we'll yeah. just dive right in. Oceanside. Yeah. It Kayla was, and I uh, haven't gotten a chance to talk much about it yet either, so you'll be getting to hear us talk about it for the first time. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it'll be coming yeah. be kind of perfect. <laughs> so, um, yeah, do you want you do you want to start? Aaron? Sure, I'll start. Um, Oceanside. That was a lot harder of a course than I expected it to be. Um, yeah, seriously. <laughs> I don't know what exactly I was expecting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it was not that. Um, but it was a lot of fun, um, I guess. <laughs> you know, as fun as a race can be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. The swim got moved to a harbor swim instead of starting on the beach and kind of running into the waves and swimming past those until finally swimming into the harbor. Um, I had mixed emotions on that. That's good. <laughs> I have mixed emotions on that. Um, I like challenging water. Um, just being a strong swimmer, I feel confident in it. Um, however, I hate sand. I hate running in sand. I hate my feet touching sand. So not having to start in the sand was a huge plus. Um, Ray Scott started on time. It was a cold morning, but not as cold as I thought it was going to be. Um, I thought it was going to be as cold as it was in St. George in October, and it was not nearly that cold. Like the, the outside, like the outside weather or the, outside the water temperature? temperature. Um, yeah. The water temperature, though, I know. I, I think it was like recording at like, I think it was outside it was like 30, it was under 40. Yeah. Maybe I just dressed accordingly. Degrees Fahrenheit. Because <laughs> um, I've managed to stay pretty toasty. Yeah, I, um, I think I'm pretty smart in this aspect where I will either bring a crappy pair of shoes or buy a crappy pair of shoes at the race to wear to the swim start. And a minute before I'm about to start, I just throw them to the side and let them get donated afterwards um i find having yeah. warm feet before the swim just really helps me instead of having my feet freeze on the pavement um so i did that the swim went off it was fine i know a lot of people thought the water re- was really cold i didn't have any issues with it um i think my biggest issue with the swim was on the way back i could not see a single booty yeah everything blended no. in. The sun was shining bright in your eyes. I could kind of see the yellow buoys that we used on the way out, but could not see the orange buoys 
for anything. So I had to do a lot of like treading head up. No. Just really try and figure out where the people were. I gave up on sighting the buoys and there weren't a ton of people in front of me to sight, but just tried to get up, see some of the males in front and yeah, finally made it to the end. I was kind of glad to be there. I was tired of trying to see the buoys. I was glad I navigated fairly well. Um, got out, got to T1, you know, did the T1 stuff. Still not great at T1, still trying to figure it out, but got on my bike. It was a long, it was a long T1 with a really yes, long which run. which I always hate. Which I don't know if was good I or bad. Because I am not a strong, well, I'm not a not strong runner, but out of the three sports, that would be my weakness. And to add extra running to a race is never my idea of a good design. Um, of fun. <laughs> of fun yeah. <laughs> Especially barefoot. I hate that. Um, With like yeah, freezing yeah. cold feet yeah, too. No, doesn't not, like, not definitely doesn't feel um, good. But then took off on the bike course and felt really good through the first bit of it. Um, felt really confident. Legs were feeling fresh. Was kind of pushing the power I wanted. Um, saw Kayla at around, I don't know, 10 miles? 10? Yeah. Mile 10? Something around there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was kind of. Yeah, you were looking a lot better than you were looking a lot better than I was feeling. <laughs> so I was kind of. I was. I saw Kayla on an out and great. back, so I was kind of able. I looked at my clock to see where I was, and then where I was at the spot I saw her to kind of gauge the difference between us, because uh, I missed starting with Kayla and having her chase me. Um, but that kind of gave me a good idea of how I was doing, um, and then. We started to really hit the terrain, and it was very steep and pitchy, and I was not expecting it, and it definitely threw off my mindset a bit. Um, I am a strong biker, but I would not say climbing is a super strong suit of mine, Um which I'm still figuring it out and I will figure it out. I think that has to do. Yeah. And I think that has to do with the fact that you're new to the sport. So like the times that you and I have ridden together, I've more noticed that I I think you actually are a very strong climber, but your ability to navigate shifting appropriately through the climbs and when to get out of arrow, when to knock it out of arrow and kind of like feeling those pieces, the little nuances that are with climbing. Um, is definitely stuff that I think you're still learning. And I think that probably translates into feeling like you're not as strong as you actually are. And I, however, I will say I'm usually very confident on the descents, but on this course, I felt like every descent ended in like a slow zone, like right hand turn, like really sharp right hand turn, or there was a speed limit, or it was a no passing zone, and I just felt like I could never fly on the descent like I usually do. Um, and I started to get into my head a little bit the last 20 miles, where I was like, oh my god, I'm not going to even average twenty over 20 miles per hour on this bike. Like, I suck. Like, this race is going awful. Um, which is not a good spot to be in. <laughs> um I mean, (laughs) no, it's not. 
So frustra- it's a frustrating yes. one to feel yes. that way. And I just, and I, looking back, I didn't suck. It was just a really hard bike course with, I guess. No. It's a slow, it's a slow bike course. I mean, you basically, for those, you know, I'm, I'm looking at her training peaks right now and she had an average power of 192 and basically averaged 20 miles an hour. And your climbing on here was actually extremely strong with normalized power um, above 200, 200 um, for almost all the climbs. Like I, for an early season race, from a data standpoint, race looked really yeah, great. And I think... I would have held higher if I didn't get so in my head the last 15 miles because I definitely felt myself in my head. And for me, that's like makes a huge difference. Like when I'm feeling good and confident, I find pushing power comes so much easier to me. Um, And I kind of just lost it. And then the end of the bike like coming in the last like two miles, I got super frustrated because I could not get past these two men and they speed up. And I just, I don't like to mess around with the draft zone. So like I stay back unless I think I have the power to like really fly past them. But because there was two of them, I just never felt that surge in me. And then we got to the end of it and instead of the dismount line being where transition is, you actually like, no, it's, it's so, so far, far away. away. And so you have to bike, like, I don't know, a half mile to the back half of transition where the dismount line is. With super sharp, Narrow. like super sharp turns where everybody had been like putting water all over. Yeah. And, and one of the, it was very so strange. strange. And one of the guys in front of me was confused and he dismounted at the start of it. And me and the other guy behind him, like, this is so narrow. Like, you can't get around him. And he didn't know what was going on. And then he was trying to fumble and get on back on his bike. And it just created kind of chaos in that sharp, narrow area. (laughs) (laughs) But finally made it to T2. And I got through T2 pretty fast for me. Um, And got off onto the run. I... Knew, well, at the time I didn't think my bike was going well, so I knew I wanted to try and make up some time on the run. Um, My first mile, I felt good, 745. I was like, okay, you know, we talked about descending to that, but like, I think I can hold that. Like, it's fine. Did that through, I think, the first five (laughs) miles. And then around mile six, I was like, oh no, I messed up. And (laughs) my legs just did not want to go anymore. Yes. Um, I felt emotionally drained. For those wondering, (laughs) Aaron did not follow the plan that we discussed. (laughs) And if you were to like look at her map, it's like super fast times, super fast times, super slow times, super slow times. And then it like descends again. So it's like fast, 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 fast blow up like descend 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 negative split the last like two miles (laughs) yep um basically aaron let the what is it the chimp brain or the uh i forget what they call that 
She got a little excited. <laughs> and like, I was feeling good. So I was like, whatever. Like, maybe it will be fine. And it really was not that fine, but it wasn't the worst thing in the world either. I think it was still like my second fastest no, half marathon. Really so not that big. Of a it was. It was really close to being almost yeah. your fastest. Um, so I ended up walking basically every uphill from mile six to 12 um, and went up about two minutes per mile and then just kind of took the time to refill, refuel. And then when I got to mile 12, I was like, okay, you've got to finish this. You have it in you to finish it. You consumed calories during these last six miles. Let's just bring it home at this point. Um, As a side note, you were only 30 seconds off your fastest half marathon. So, According yeah, to Training Peaks. I think it's, it's somewhere in there. I don't think my mountain man, mm-hmm. I think I started my watch late, so I don't think my mountain man half's in there, um, but it was still a very solid half marathon for me. Um, yeah. But. Yeah. I think it's a very solid half marathon yeah. for you for, especially, you know, from where we came from. So. Um, so when I got to the finish line, I was upset with the time. Um, 515 is or 516 is not anywhere near where I wanted to be, nor near anywhere my half PR. So I just, it's like crap. Like that sucked until I asked to borrow my friend Chelsea's phone to look at results. And that's kind of when I realized like, okay, this was a really hard course. And that's why you can never really give up on yourself is you're never really out of it like you don't know how everyone's day is going I think that was a really hard race for everybody um and I never I never did really give up on myself my body kind of gave up on me a little bit but I forced myself to keep running the parts where I felt like I could um and hung in there just with the hope of still getting a podium spot and ended up getting second in my age group and 11th female age grouper, I think. So I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, I think you should be super happy with it. And I I love what you said in there is that even though the execution wasn't fabulous or didn't feel fabulous, because I think there's still some pieces in there that were really good. um, You never gave up on yourself. I mean, you can look, you can see that in the data too. Like if we look at the, just clear to look at the data specifically from your run, you can see that you, after you blew up, it's like you had a bit of a blow up and then it was like, okay, something then switched. And whether that be that you got carbs in you or you, you know, started to flip your mind around or whatever, because you started then descending your paces again. And um, I mean, Early season is early season, and this was a tough course. Um, yeah, this is a tough so course. After this, so I think it's a course that I would love if it was like in like October yeah. <laughs> when you're fully, into- <laughs> or even August. Yeah. August, <laughs> not in April. <laughs> not in April. Uh, but I actually left this race, yeah, feeling even more confident in myself. Mm-hmm. 
and like my ability to accomplish the goals further down the line because this race was very far from perfect for me. I have a lot of things I can work on, um, both race strategy wise and kind of at home, especially on the nutrition piece I've kind of figured out. Um, so the fact that I placed as well as I did and was as competitive as I was, I think is a really good sign moving forward and really excites me for this next training block going into Coeur d'Alene, which I currently like the full distance a lot more than the half. So I'm really excited to get at this next training cycle. <laughs> yeah. Aaron, Aaron is a diesel engine, so we've been working on her speed, but she is definitely a diesel engine. Um, yeah, I think that's a great kind of thing to think about too, especially because remember you aged mm-hmm. up too. You aged into a little bit harder bracket and you still held your own, um, which is again, in, in an early season is really great. Um, so Awesome. Well, I mean, I know from my side of things, I was super proud of you and it was really fun to see you out on the race course. Uh, I always like when we get to race together um, because it's, you know, it's, well, I will go into mine in a little bit, but I was in a kind of a world of discomfort the whole day. And so seeing somebody out there was really helpful for me. (laughs) I always love seeing you. I always Um, love seeing anyone I know out there. Um, I got to the point where around mile six, I saw like a bunch of Trace Penis people out there and I could not mutter a word to anyone at that point, but I still loved seeing every one of them out there. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. And that was something that, um, I don't know what you thought, but I thought the run, even though maybe for you it was really challenging, I thought the run was a lot of fun just from the atmosphere and running by the ocean was really cool um yeah so I thought that piece was you know really kind of pretty great what was your favorite part of the race um (laughs) Um, probably the views on the bike ride um Oh, that's a good one. It, it was, was beautiful. really, really pretty. And that's what I, I was talking to my mom and I told her, I was like, if you don't mind a really challenging course and a course that you're more than likely not going to PR and are just looking to race a gorgeous course, this would be it. It was stunning. Yeah. Yeah, I would so agree with that. was your favorite part? Yeah. Yeah, the bike course, like especially that one section where you like look to the left and you looked over and saw the ocean and everything. Um, yeah. My favorite part was the run because the rest of the race is pretty rough for me. I now go into that, but I loved the run. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And I just, I liked being able to run right next, like right against the ocean and, um, it was flat and fast and, um, I thought that was really I great. Thought, so um, the two um, loop design of the course was kind of cool. I mean, I got to be lapped essentially by some of the best in the sport, which was kind of cool, <laughs> I guess. Yes. I was proud of myself that I did not get lapped at all, which was awesome. Besides some of the men, only a couple, a couple of the men lapped me, that's but that's, fair. Yeah. that doesn't yeah. count. So. 
I think. Yeah, I fair. think only three <laughs> or four of the women did. So I was like, okay, that's not bad. Yes. <laughs> I'll take it. Perfect. Yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> And if you remember, I mean, we start, we, I mean, we start so far, we start further yeah. in front of you anyway. So it kind of like, it's a little hard to kind of look at yeah. that from a too much but of an angle, but, um, perfect. What was your biggest takeaway? That I'm in a good spot. Um, going into this, I think yeah. I was worried that training this off season has not gone the way that I would have liked it to. Um, but to still get out there and race and be competitive um, makes me feel really good going into the next training block. So just, I'm in a good place. Yeah. It gets you excited. I know you were part of one of the things you were struggling with prior to Oceanside was not necessarily feeling super excited. Um, Do you feel like that has helped change a little bit? So much more. I mean, I was already pretty excited for Coeur d'Alene. Like I was definitely looking forward to Coeur d'Alene more than I was Oceanside, even before oceanside um yeah i just i'm still feel like i've got in all distances i've got a lot to figure out but the half for me is really challenging to find that speed especially on the run um where to find like that balance and the difference between what a 745 feels like and what an eight minute feels like, because I could have probably held on to eight minutes the whole time, but I'm not at a point where I could hold on to 745. Mm-hmm. Whereas I find the pace a yeah. lot easier in a full where I feel like I can hold on. Um, so I just am more confident and more excited to race fulls right now because the halves I'm just still learning a lot. <laughs> Like, I feel like more than any other distance. Well, and I I think that makes sense. It kind of fits for where we are in your training and that we have only just recently started kind of incorporating run speed Mm -hmm. here and there because you, and we've mentioned this in previous podcasts that you've, we've dealt with a lot of niggles with you. And like, so we're really working on trying to more build up your body's resilience to running more than we are trying to do speed at this moment. And so a half requires a lot of speed. And so this is kind of that, that, that difference. Um, and so I, that, that makes sense and very much fits exactly where kind of you are in, you know, your program and And it's interesting because people ask me my favorite distance and I love the pole, but I also love the Olympic distance and think I'm fairly good at the Olympic distance. Um, but just finding that middle speed is something I have not fully figured out yet. Like I feel like Olympic distance, I have the engine to kind of go balls to the wall more. I can hang on for a 10k, but I can't hang on to a half marathon. So finding that threshold pace for half marathons been a challenge that I'm working on, but I'm excited to continue to work on it because I like the pos- like I like the idea that I still have so much to improve on. I think that's what's really exciting for me. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Awesome. Well, good day out there. Thanks. Um thank you to be really proud of it. And so Kayla, yeah, take us through your you. day. So Oh boy, my day. Yeah. Um, so this is my third professional race, uh, kicked off my rookie professional triathlon year and career and, um, it went okay. I, you know, so this is going to sound, you know, 
I'll be very honest. I, I was pretty disappointed afterwards and um, frustrated. I just kind of felt like the day did not go very well. The execution didn't go very well. Um, I was pretty far off of where I kind of thought maybe I could be. And that was really frustrating. Um, and, you know, when you kind of make that jump to that next level, to that professional level, the pressure is definitely a lot more there. And even though I'm pretty good at removing that pressure and I didn't actually feel that piece of it, but it's almost like I, I it's not that I want it more or I wanted it less when I was an age grouper and now I want it more, but it's like a different type of want. And that definitely leads kind of, kind of led to, you know, a little bit of kind of that, Disappointment, and I've been kind of battling a little bit of imposter syndrome with triathlon lately as like being professional, and I felt that really big at this race. Like I remember being at that pro, at the pro briefing, and you have like these amazing women that you know you've got Chelsea Sodaro, Sodaro Holly Lawrence, Kat Matthews, Tamara Jewett, like I, Danielle Lewis. Like I could list, <laughs> keep going and going, and these women are some of the best in the world, and. I was like, wow, I, this is, I'm here. Like, <laughs> do I really belong here? I don't know. And that definitely played a huge factor into my day and something that I need to work on. Um, and just, I need to rethink, like remove that. Like the, that's there, they are there and they're there to make me better. And I need to kind of stay from that angle and be more focused on just, executing from a space of like complete confidence in myself rather than a space of do, are they worried not, are they worried about me I don't know like I just said that imposter syndrome type space um and I think that was really weighing on me throughout the, kind of the whole leading up to it I was never super excited about Oceanside for some reason I was excited to race and to kick off the season but just not super excited about the race in general for just, I don't know. I, I just never really like was like, yeah, let's go. Let's get after it. I love this. And I think a piece of that, and you kind of touched on this too, is just like not knowing the course yeah. was big and it, it surprised you. It surprised me. I was not prepared for that by course um, to be the way that it was. Um, and with how long our winter has been here and yes, I've gotten outside for some training camps, but I have done all my training indoors pretty much on the trainer and I felt that while I was out there. Yeah. And I don't um, know about you. So yeah, that was kind of like the overall. I don't know about you, but I know I always bike yeah, go or I always drive the bike course before the race. And I think it's worth mentioning at Oceanside that you can't drive this course. It's off limits because it goes through camp. No, you and can't. So yeah. like, I think both of us as coaches like to be prepared. Mm -hmm. So the fact that we couldn't drive it and then got that thrown off was a lot. Yep. And like in the pro briefing, they were like, be really aware of the fact that the roads there here are not great. They're like, we're going to do everything that we can to like make sure that all the potholes and everything are shown and they were great. I mean, the race organizers, I thought did a really great job of let, making sure that any issues on the bike that potentially could be there was, was mitigated to the best of their ability. Um, 
but that kind of like played with me a bit and I felt like I just never could get really comfortable on the bike and I was kind of always in this like state of discomfort and almost overthinking the road conditions and it didn't allow me to like settle in and everything. Um, but so for me, the swim, um, we got in the water. I was really cold, uh, really, really cold. And I didn't really realize it until now that I like really started thinking back on it. I mean, my teeth. So for the, um, for (laughs) Skylar, honey, always doing something. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Skylar's in here for the night. So, um, and so like for the pro women, we had a met and men and women, we had a mass start. And so we lined up at the buoy and we, so we had to swim out to the buoy and we lined up there and my teeth were like chattering while I was in the water, which is not a good sign. (laughs) Um, and not something I really thought too much about, but, and I didn't really necessarily feel cold in the water, but I probably was cold. Um, and I am somebody that when my body gets cold, I do not do well. Um, and I get cold and I stay cold. And again, not something that I really realized or really actually thought too much about. But as I look back, I was just really cold. Um, so had a semi good start with the swim, but I got spit out on the back end, um, pretty quick, just could not hang on to the group, um, was able to keep them in sights. And not too far off until we made the turn into the into the blinding <laughs> sun, and then I started getting really disoriented and like not focused again. Probably because I was starting to get yeah. really cold and just didn't realize it. Yeah, and I just wasn't couldn't really focus, and I got confused about the buoy yeah. situation <laughs> at one point to the point where I like ran into a wall almost. And then I started going the wrong direction. These are all not good things to do as a professional, by the way, you guys, <laughs> like I should know better. I know a lot of professionals who um, really struggled with that swim course. Um, like one of the pros from Arizona, I talked it was, to, it, it was she hard. ended up missing a buoy and pulled mm-hmm. herself out of the race because she didn't want to cheat, which I really respect. But it was really hard to see. And I think a lot of people made mistakes out there. It was really, really hard to see. And I was I had nobody to sight on. I was in complete no man's land. Complete no man's land. Um, despite that, I had a PR Woo! swim. So despite the fact that I did it on my own, I was really cold. And I went the complete wrong. I easily probably wasted 30 to 65 seconds, depending. I'm not quite sure. Um, going the wrong direction, um, swimming back. I don't know. It, anyways, so PR swim for me, um, which was really good. I think um, I might have had a PR swim too. By almost a minute. Yeah. So that's really good. Um, I was just really bummed to have missed that front, that, that pack. It was not the front pack, but it was like one of, it was the next pack and just not be able to hold on. Um, something I'm still working on. Um, teeth. One was a little rough for me. Again, I think it was because I was cold. Again, I didn't realize this, but I just think I was just cold. Hopped on the bike and started to go, and I just didn't have it. I felt behind. Like, I just could not. I couldn't push power. I was not comfortable on the bike. I, I was very uncomfortable, very unsettled, 
and just in this very weird space. And it, I was able to catch a few women. I think I passed like three or so women. Um, but I just, yeah, I just, I felt very kind of out of it and just not really there. And then I started to get really frustrated. And then I started to have some really negative talk going on. And it took me until about mile 40 to actually kind of feel like when we had like one of those last really big climbs, like all of a sudden some life kind of came back to me and I was able to start pushing a little bit more power and a little bit more speed. And I started, I I think I realized that I wasn't as cold anymore. Um, and when I looked back at my data, so I don't wear a heart rate monitor, but I have a heart rate um, that monitor on my wristwatch or so on my Garmin. And I took a look at that and my heart rate until about mile 40 never went over a hundred, which is insane. So low. That's crazy. Low. So low, insanely low. Now, obviously the heart rate wrist, which wristwatch heart rate monitors are like hit or miss if they're completely accurate. So like, you know, plus or minus five or so beats per minute, but no matter what, that's still going to be really low. Like it probably never went above 110 if it was anything very low and very, and then around mile 40, it like shoots up into the one thirties. That's when I started feeling better. <laughs> um, so, so it makes sense for you. I just, if, I was, if you were to back go foot. back in time and yeah. T1, would you have put on warmer apparel? Did you have warm apparel on? Did you have toe yes. covers on? Yes. Did not have any of those things. Um, I didn't really realize how cold the outside air kind of temperature was. It just didn't really compute in my brain. Um, and I've never really had an issue with necessarily like not warming up on the bike, but I've also never done a swim that is 56 degrees because I know me and I don't do well in cold water. So I avoid those races. <laughs> I don't do them. <laughs> One of the reasons I've never done Oceanside. Um, it's not normally this cold, but it's cold. Um, and so I've actually kind of never put myself into this, this, this type of situation, but yes, in retrospect, I would have put one of my Trace Pena's thermal jerseys on because I get so cold. Um, and like I had gloves, but I dropped them and it just didn't register to pick them up. But that would not have helped me because for me, it's a core okay. issue. It's like if I, if I get cold and then my core gets cold and then like my, you know, my body kind of goes into I've had hypothermia Ooh. twice and I swear ever since I've had those. Um I uh, really struggle when I get cold. It's like kind of like a weird reaction to it. Um, so yes, I would have put a jersey on, a thermal jersey on. Um, and because I don't even think like arm warmers would have done it for me, but I think that would have made a huge difference and maybe warmed me up faster, which maybe then I could have pushed a little bit more power and et cetera. Um, so yeah, I got out of off the bike, um, pretty frustrated, really disappointed in myself, like questioning, like, why do I suck at this? Why does my bike suck so bad? I worked really hard on my bike. Like, why was it that was so slow? One of my slowest 70.3 bikes, and I'm trying to race in the perfect, like all these really negative things running through my brain. Um, 
And so I, but I just kind of was like, okay, well, you're a good runner, Kayla. Like, let's just go run and let's just see what happens. So I took off running and just, I think I was in, I don't even know what place I was in. I was pretty far back. Um, but I just kind of took off running. 14th, yeah. I'm looking at the tracker. 14th when I kind of came off. Yeah. I want to say 14th. Out of T2, you were 14th. When I came off. You're 14th. Yeah, that sounds right. Two minutes back from 13th. Yep. Yep. Because I had to stop at a quarter potty and pee for like 45 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) I lost, lost, I lost a lot of time in the, um, in transition just because ever since I had kids, I, my bladder gets so full that I I have to be. I am surprised to hear you don't pee on yourself. It's. I can't. So I can't, I don't know how to pee on the bike while I'm biking. I can't seem to relax to do it. I even tried because I knew I could feel myself getting really full. And Brandon actually asked the same question. Like, well, why didn't you just go pee while you were running? And this is because the type of pee that I have to do is like big pee. (laughs) We're not talking like little leak here and there. We're talking river running down my legs kind of pee. <laughs> like it would be very obvious that I was peeing myself, not just little bits here and there. It, so it's definitely like you need to stop at quarter potty. And if I don't, I can't run because I'm so full. I don't quite know what to do about this situation, honestly. So I'm kind of in this weird like do I learn how do I learn to pee on the bike? It's not something I can practice indoors on my train. It's just not gonna work. Um, I also cannot pee on my bike, but what I did was when I was taking or I think it was when I was it was I can't remember which transition it was, but it was either when I was taking off my wetsuit or when I was putting on my running shoes and when I was sitting down, just peed on my towel and transition. It's like that's what it's gonna be today. Seems like that's not a bad like, idea. Had my water jug, uh, maybe I that's what I need to do. But it's like okay, yeah. But let me tell you, it would be like a legit river of pee we're, we're talking about. <laughs> the beauties um, of triathlon, am I so right? So that definitely cost me like the beauties of triathlon. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, if we think about so, like, really, I ended up missing. I probably went, used the porta potty for a solid 45 seconds. And then you got to include the time it takes to run to that and then get out and all those pieces. So we're easily talking maybe 45 to 65 seconds. And I, at the, I was about 30 seconds down from 11th at the end of the, the day. Not necessarily as the gun time because of like those pieces, but before we all hit, I was about 30-ish seconds down from her and I just couldn't catch her. But so yeah, I headed out on the run. I had a semi-good run. I had a very good run. Um, I think I had the ninth fastest run um, when it just felt really smooth and I was able to hold pace almost the entire time. Um I ran myself into 12th, just missed 11th um, by a little bit and was only even a little bit off of 10th, I think. And, and yeah, so, you know, 
that was really good. It was definitely hard not to be a little bit frustrated with the fact that my run just, I'm stuck at this like 124 or 125 pace and can't seem to get it down when I know in order to kind of compete with the women that I want to compete with, I need to be in that 120 to 122 range. So, you know, kind of similar to you is one of those where I was really kind of frustrated after the race. I was kind of a little bit down on myself and, but then, you know, my family and everybody and Brandon and kind of really reminded me that there were still a lot of good pieces. I mean, I had a swim PR and I went up against some of the best women in the world and I was mid-pack. And in season, like beginning of season feels there probably could be like that's a big deal begin- yeah and I you know I showed that I can run with these women um and that was you know was a big piece um and then if we really like break down the bike like the bike is just kind of a disaster for me and I don't know that I can really look at it too objectively because I was cold and my data shows that something physiologically was just not working for me. And so from that angle, it's, you know, sometimes that's why we have to look at it like from a, like a bird's eye view. And, you know, my goal was to break into the top 10 and, you know, if I hadn't made the mistake in the swim and gone the wrong direction and been, 35 seconds faster maybe that would have put me in a better position on the bike to be closer to people and if I you know I hadn't had been so cold then maybe that would have been so I think there's definitely the pieces are there and you know when I look at it from that angle it's a little bit more exciting and I'm a little less frustrated about it than when you know you get done with it and you're just like you know, why is this not going well? I think the biggest takeaway for me from the whole day was twofold. One, that you cannot necessarily use this one race as the, to say, yeah, this is who you are. This is where you are, especially early season. And then, um, my bike needs to improve because even though I, you know, maybe I'm, I'm always, I'm never going to be one of the, I shouldn't say never, but the chances of me being a front pack swimmer are very slim. I'm always going to be a mid pack swimmer, but if I'm going to be two, three, four minutes down, that's fine, but I can't be losing 10, 12, 15, 20, 30 minutes on the bike in order to compete because I know I can run with the women. Mm-hmm. Just got to figure out how to bike with them. So, um, yeah, all in all, I'm really happy. Well, I, it's a lie. I'm not happy with the day, um, but I am very proud of the fact that I never gave up on the day, even though it was not going how I wanted to. I'm proud of putting myself out there and taking this leap into the pro field, um, and I'm, you know, kind of just proud of doing it. I'm proud of being there and happy to be there. And I think that ends up kind of being the biggest piece of it. And that's what I'm kind of trying to ground myself in, you know, moving into the races, kind of moving up. So you mentioned that you've been struggling a bit with imposter syndrome. How are you going to 
kind of deal with that and like convince yourself that you belong because you do obviously belong in the pro field. But how are you going to make yourself believe that before your next race, which is coming up pretty soon? Yes, coming up very soon. We've got I've got Texas in like two weeks, basically. Um, and yes, so I'll be very honest. I'm a little bit like kind of unsure how to navigate the whole imposter syndrome piece a little bit for myself. Um, one thing that has always really helped me, though, is doing working through it kind of like in a journaling aspect and by really taking every... So every morning, starting, you know, kind of the, mostly I started, yes, what's this day? I started this morning, um, is writing down, not necessarily an affirmation or a mantra, but more of like a, a statement of who I am. And my goal is to end up believing that. And I want, I will believe that. And so the more, if I started every morning with this intention of saying, I, and I, I, I'm setting it for Texas. I will be top 10 at Texas. I am a professional triathlete. I will do this. I will, I will be this. I will run this way. I deserve to be here. I, I am here. Really, really helps solidify for me, reminding myself that these pieces are who I am and what I want to achieve. So it's like really focused on the intention piece behind it and creating that space and like these statements and then using them throughout the day and like reminding myself of them. So like today on my bike, I kind of focused on those a little bit because I wasn't sure how the bike was going to go. I was tired. My legs were sore. I had to be indoors again for the millionth time in a row. And I needed to find a way to get excited about it in order. Cause I know that I need to get excited. And so I kind of just repeated those over and over again. That's something that's always been really helpful for me um, is almost just like reaffirming that belief that I have in myself through just saying it over and over and over again um, until my brain doesn't know any different because our brains don't know the difference between reality and imaginary. So if you're telling yourself something over and over again, whether that be negative or positive, then it's going to believe that. And so I'm choosing to do it the other way. The other piece I'm really trying to going to try to focus on for the next two weeks is getting really excited for the race and not necessarily focusing on the field or, um, what I want out of it or anything, just getting excited for it. Cause I think that was the definite piece. And even my coach kind of said the same thing. She said, Kayla, you just weren't very excited about this. You just weren't super excited about Oceanside. I could hear it, you know, um, and for me, when I'm not super excited about it, my, that like that grit and that competitiveness is harder to pull it, pull yeah, on for sure. Um, and so I'm really kind of focusing on getting excited for Texas. So like I started visualizing the race course while I was on the bike today and, you know, rem- reminding myself that I love this course. I know this course. I like to race in Texas. I race well in Texas. I know how to do it. It'll be warm. I won't be cold. <laughs> and just getting more excited about it and really kind of going to use that hopefully to kind of, you know, be more the spearhead to, even though that imposter syndrome is kind of still there. Um, use that excitement as my focal point 
rather than my uncertainty. Um, and the other piece that I, you know, we talked about at the very end, how I like took a third a bird's eye view look about my race and, you know, through the help of like my family and everything was able to look at more of the good pieces that came from it. And like, you know, the fact that I had the ninth fastest run against some of the best women in the world. And it wasn't even that great of a run for me, honestly. And to be able to do that with a mediocre run, I'm choosing to focus there and look at it from that angle. And that really reminds me, yeah, you can run with these people. So that means you can do this. So it's kind of like choosing to pick the pieces that create this confidence within yourself um, and focus on that. Oh, I'm trying to go. Hopefully it works. <laughs> well, you just got to continue sure. to do it until your brain really believes it. And it's true. And it's true. I mean, that's the biggest piece is. I am not, not naturally, I've never naturally been a confident person. Um, it's only in the last like 10 years that I've really gained a lot of self-confidence, but now I'm putting myself into a situation where I am the newbie. That's scary and that's hard. And I play feeling like I have to play catch up with you. And, you know, these are people that it's different. Like these are people that you idol, right? These are the people, women that I've looked up to for years and wanting to be able to compete with them. And so you look at it from that angle and it's like, whoa, <laughs> ah, do I really belong here? Um, so I'm really just trying to focus on removing that. And that's not my needs to be, you know, not what you put into that focal window, but executing my race, getting excited for my race and kind of going yeah. from there. Um, yeah. In and out. So Skylar's making me laugh. A lot of good learnings from Oceanside. Yes. For those of you that probably cannot see, Skylar has been putting, I'm not even sure what he's doing. He's been putting a lot of my stuff into his suitcase. He's packing his suitcase. And he's pack. oh, I just was told that he's packing for his race in Texas. And... Yes. So his suitcase is packed. He's ready to go. So he's excited. So we're excited. We're good. He's ready to compete at Iron Pits. Get another medal. He is. Another medal. Yeah, he competed at Iron Kids this past weekend at Oceanside and had a ton of fun. This was probably his best Iron Kids today. Unfortunately, I missed it because it was really late in the day, like the day before the race. And Baylor was really tired. Um, so, and that was probably the best part of the whole race is seeing the kids out there. Skylar yelling, go mommy, go. And just, you know, getting to high five in and makes it really fun. And it's, yeah, it's the best part. So, you know, and I have to remind myself, I remind myself of that too. Like I got done with the race and even though I was disappointed, the boys were excited to see me. Like they were swinging and they were so excited to see me and they are proud of me and they 
thought what I did was cool. And so none of it matters at the end of the day. And because they think I did awesome. That's why kids are, you know, that's why they're great to have for this. Is they don't care if you're slow or didn't execute. They just think you're, they just think you're amazing. So it's a good reminder that we need to think we're amazing. Because all of us are, we all have things we, we should be proud of. And it's hard sometimes to remember those things when things aren't going the way you want them to and you want it better for yourself. And I think that's part of being competitive is you always want more. You always want to do better. Um, but having the people you love remind you of all the things that you should be proud of and that you're loved no matter how you perform. Yep, exactly. And a little disappointment, there's nothing wrong with a little disappointment. Because it keeps you hungry. But it's more along the lines on how you respond to that disappointment. Do you get excited? Do you move on from it? Do you not let it fester? Do you just say, yeah, we're going to take this disappointment, we're going to learn, we're going to grow, we're going to get better, what can we do to fix it? You know, how do we not make the mistake the next time? And and then also like, okay, that was that race. Didn't go the way I wanted. Let's make the next one go that way. Yep. So, well, there's nothing wrong with a little disappointment. You're allowed to be disappointed. Uh, allowed to be frustrated. But what you're not allowed to do is fester over it. And let it ruin the things that you love. Awesome. Well, okay. So that was Oceanside. Hopefully everybody enjoyed our race recaps. <laughs> um, we've got, Erin's got Coeur d'Alene coming up next. So she's going to be after she's on a little vacation yeah. coming up. And then we're headed for about an 11-ish week build for Erin. exciting. looking forward to it. Oddly enough, I miss five-hour, six-hour rides. So I'm ready to get back to it. Perfect. You're a good Iron Manner then. <laughs> and then uh, I've got Ironman Texas and then followed immediately by St. George. I'm also going to move right smack dab in the middle of that down to Arizona. We've got a lot going on in our house. <laughs> So, um, yeah, stay tuned, everybody, for next week. We'll be back with topics and answering your questions. Um, so, if you again, if you do have any, send them to us at www.whereyfeettakeyou.com slash podcast. Um, we, look, we look forward to your questions. They're a lot of fun for us to read and even more fun for us to answer. So, please send them our way. We like to see them. So. Awesome. All right, everybody, we will... See you next week. Bye, everybody. Hello, Daddy.